BLM backs the communist Cuban regime. The Democrats seek to ram through amnesty by attaching it to a budget bill. And the Biden White House blows out the spending amidst an inflationary spiral. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Thousands of my listeners have already secured their internet. Join them at expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, your reminder, you're spending way too much on your cell phone bill unless you've already switched over to Pure Talk USA. Thousands of my listeners already have. Here's the thing. If you're with Verizon or AT&T or T-Mobile, you're paying too much money. Pure Talk can save your family over $800 a year. Same great coverage because Pure Talk is on the exact same network as one of the big three, but at a fraction of the price. And switching is as easy as switching out your SIM card. You can keep your phone, keep your number, or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. Plus, right now you can get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just 30 bucks a month. And if you go over on data, they're not going to charge you for it. There's a reason Pure Talk is the highest rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs and why they are the preferred wireless partner of AMAC. A lot of other cell phone companies, they will intentionally mislead you on exactly what it is you are getting. They'll be pretty obscure about what it is you're paying for. Not so with Pure Talk USA. They're telling you exactly what you get and it's what you need. From your cell phone, dial pound 250. Say Ben Shapiro. Save an additional 50% off your very first month. That is pound 250. Say keyword Ben Shapiro to get started. Again, dial pound 250. Say Ben Shapiro. Save an additional 50% off your first month and hundreds of bucks down the road. Alrighty. So Cuba continues to be a hotspot. The Cuban police have now been rounding people up. I mean, to the point where there's actual video of Cuban YouTube stars being picked up. Like, they'll literally be on the air doing Spanish TV, and the Cuban authorities will arrive and literally just arrest them while they are on the air for the great sin of dissenting from the communist authoritarian regime over there. Here's a little bit of tape. This happened yesterday. You can see this woman named Dina Stars. She's apparently some sort of YouTube star. And uh, the authorities are showing up to arrest her. And uh, she is now being taken away by the uh, Cuban authorities. Uh, good times over there. Um, the the Cuban crackdown is not unexpected. This is what has happened with regard to every dissident movement in Cuba, in Latin America, in Central America that is directed against a communist authoritarian regime. Obviously, we saw just a couple of years ago when millions of people were in the streets in Venezuela, and yet the Venezuelan communist regime continued to maintain its power by cracking down on people who were dissenting. Now, meanwhile, I have to say that the left's perspective on this is absolutely astonishing, the left in, in America, because for people who really say that what they want is Denmark or Norway, they have a really tough time simply condemning communism. They have a really rough time saying that these regimes are evil and bad. I took Bernie Sanders a couple of days to comment. When he did comment, he read directly from the Howard's in playbook where he talked about how it was really the United States embargo that was the problem in Cuba. And now you have Black Lives Matter sounding off the movement now. Let me remind you, Black Lives Matter is a semantically overloaded term. There are some people who, when they say Black Lives Matter, mean the perfectly obvious thing, which is that Black Lives Matter, just like every life matters, and Black people should not be targeted by the police more than anybody else should be targeted by the police. Right? That's perfectly obvious. But the Black Lives Matter organization, which has raked in tens of millions of dollars and fostered not just protests, but riots in cities around the United States and is run by open communists, they put out, it's just a garbage organization. It's been a garbage organization since it was, it was founded in the, in the mid-2010s. And its, its founders are openly Marxist in orientation. Meanwhile, skimming off the top, presumably, 
or allegedly, in order to go buy themselves really, really nice houses in Tabanka Canyon. So Black Lives Matter, the organization, which, remember, you had corporations donating millions of dollars to. You had people posting black squares in support of the organization, not just the generalized idea, in favor of the organization. This organization is a garbage, a garbage communist organization. So far, when it comes to world issues, they have supported the, the Hamas terrorists in the Gaza war, and now they support the communist Cuban regime. And it is telling. Here's what they say. Quote, Black Lives Matter condemns the U.S. federal government's inhumane treatment of Cubans. Now, you may have noticed that the U.S. federal government does not actually run Cuba, and they're not the people arresting YouTube stars or shooting people in the streets. Black Lives Matter condemns the U.S. federal government's inhumane treatment of Cubans and urges it to immediately lift the economic embargo. This cruel and inhumane policy instituted with the explicit intention of destabilizing the country and undermining Cubans' right to choose their own government is at the heart of Cuba's current crisis. Since 1962, the United States has forced pain and suffering on the people of Cuba by cutting off food, medicine, and supplies, costing the tiny island nation an estimated $130 billion. So you see, it's all, all the fault of the United States. Amazing. It's all the fault of the United States, according to Black Lives Matter, because according to Black Lives Matter, the West is always wrong. According to the Black Lives Matter organization, the organization that millions, tens of millions of Americans marched with last year, this, uh, according to this organization, America is a terrible place and is responsible for all the world's ills. Why would you trust them when it comes to the cops? Why would you trust them when it comes to the systems of power in the United States? Why would you trust them with regard to anything? They're a communist group, period, end of story. And here they are repeating communist propaganda. My favorite part of this particular paragraph is where they say the United States has been undermining Cuba's right to choose its own government. Uh, you know what really undermines Cubans' right to choose their own government? The fact that they haven't held a vote since 1962. They didn't in 1962 either. Okay, so it's, it's been six decades since the Cuban Revolution, and the, uh, and the communist regime there has never allowed a free and fair election. And Black Lives Matter is saying the United States is denying them the right to choose their own government because BLM, again, is a garbage organization. I can't say it too many times. Let me reiterate. I'll say it real slowly for those of you who are having a tough time. Black Lives Matter, the organization, is garbage, should be condemned, and no responsible person should be associated with it. BLM continues, without that money, it is harder for Cuba to acquire medical equipment needed to develop its own COVID-19 vaccines and equipment for food production. This comes in spite of the country's strong medical care and history of lending doctors and nurses to disasters around the world. Uh, it wouldn't be a complete statement without a bit of propagandizing on behalf of the Cuban healthcare system, which, by the way, is so lacking. The Cuban healthcare system, they couldn't get COVID-19 vaccines into the arms of people in Cuba. Says BLM, the people of Cuba are being punished by the U.S. government because the country has maintained its commitment to sovereignty and self-determination. Yes, nothing says sovereignty and self-determination quite like throwing tens of thousands of people over the years in prison, forcing people to float in jerry-rigged canoes, basically, across 100 miles of shark-infested ocean to get to Florida. Self-determination, it sounds like self-determination when you don't allow anybody to vote ever. It's, it's, it really is. It's, it's amazing levels of self-determination here. BLM says, United States leaders have tried to crush this revolution for decades. Instead of international amity, respect, and goodwill, the U.S. government has only instigated suffering for the country's 11 million people, of which 4 million are black and brown. Uh, there it is. It's because the U.S. is racist, of course, because everything comes down to racism for Black Lives Matter. Remember, the crossover between the, the racial reckoning that we are having via groups like BLM and the full-on Marxist agenda of many of these groups is very heavy indeed. In the same way, the critical racial theory is very much connected to the idea that the institutions of capitalism and individual rights have to be torn down. Derek Bell was very clear about this in his own writings. Says Black Lives Matter, Cuba has historically demonstrated solidarity with oppressed people of African descent. 
Okay, if, if by that they mean that Cuba has shipped troops to places in Africa to help establish communist regimes there and kill black people in defense of those communist regimes, that would be correct. From protecting black revolutionaries like Asada Shakur through granting her asylum to supporting black liberation struggles in Angola, Mozambique, Guinea-Bissau, and South Africa. Unbelievable, but totally believable. Now we look to President Biden to end the embargo, something Barack Obama called for in 2016. This embargo is a blatant human rights violation and it must come to an end. Now, why bother reading the entire BLM statement? Because BLM, the organization, is not dissociated from the generalized Democratic Party. They are not. The Democratic Party still refuses to condemn BLM as an organization. Its leaders still hobnob with BLM. And it is not a coincidence that this administration, the Biden administration, is having an extremely tough time speaking moral words about what is happening in Cuba right now. For example, Chen Psaki was asked yesterday whether the Biden administration would put out a statement condemning communism. Right? Now would seem a good time. Now, the Biden administration has taken the tactic of attempting to minimize what is going on in Cuba. They say that the current Cuban unrest, that the, the massive protests in the streets are not driven by Cuban communism per se. Instead, they are driven by something else. They are driven by mismanagement, right? It's the mismanagement that's the problem. If the communists were just good managers, then everything would be fine. But the communists are bad managers, and so it's a little bit bad. But it has nothing to do with communism per se. So here is Jen Psaki being asked about condemning communism and uh, shying away from it. Do you think that people are leaving Cuba because they don't like communism? I think we've been pretty clear that we think people are leaving Cuba or not leaving Cuba or protesting in the streets all as well because uh, they are opposed to the oppression, to the mismanagement of the government in the country. And we certainly support their right to protest. We support uh, their efforts to speak out against their treatment in Cuba. Mm, I'm noticing a word missing there. Oppression and mismanagement. If it weren't for the oppression and mismanagement, communism, it's a beautiful idea. It just never worked in, in practice. Guys, that's that. It's a, it, it, true communism has never been tried. If only they could just get rid, rid of the oppression and mismanagement, that would solve it. And then she's asked again, like, so are you guys going to put out a statement condemning communism at any point here? It's like, ah, nah. Well, we hear from the president this week. He said the other day that he would speak out on that. And, and secondly, is, it, is his position still that uh, he feels that the Trump policies were a failure, didn't affect change? Is that still his policy? Well, again, I would say, uh, one, in terms of whether he heal from him, he says that often, as you know. And what he means is he speaks out publicly nearly every day at events. Sometimes you all ask questions. If there's an update to provide on what we're doing, on what our policies are, certainly he'll provide that. Is there a planned speech or trip? Not at this time. Uh, there's no planned speech or trip. Again, it, it's amazing how hard a time the left, the, the squad, even the mainstream Democratic Party has, simply saying communism is evil. And back in the 1960s, the Democratic Party didn't have any problems saying communism was evil. But then something turned and the sort of soft fellow traveler sensibility that Bernie Sanders carries around with regard to communist regimes has infused large swaths of the Democratic Party. And it's quite awful and it's quite disgusting. And it, it demonstrates once again that domestically speaking, the people who believe in the basic tenets of Marxism, which is that the United States is a class struggle, which has never been historically true in the United States. The United States is not about class in the same way that Europe was about class. There are not these hard, sort of hard and fast classes from which people can never move. But the, the, the folks who, who purport to say that this is what America is all about, they are, they are completely unwilling to condemn actual oppression by communists on a global scale. And this does go back to the Cold War when the left in the United States played footsie with communist regimes throughout the world and refused to condemn them throughout the 70s and 80s particularly. Apparently not very much has changed, which is uh, pretty shocking. It, it, by the way, it, it is 
there is a reminder to be had here that Barack Obama and his administration were quite friendly to the Cuban regime. You'll recall that he traveled to Cuba. He hung out with Raul Castro. He held hands with the guy. He, uh, he went to a baseball game with him and then he praised the Cuban dictator. It, so nothing new under the sun. I said this to President Castro in Cuba. I said, look, you've made great progress in educating uh, uh, young people. Uh, every child in Cuba gets a basic education. That's, that's a, a huge improvement from where it was. Medical care. You know, the, the, the life expectancy of Cubans is equivalent to the United States, despite it being a very poor country because they have access to health care. That's a huge achievement. They should be congratulated. Oh, well, isn't that amazing? They should. They should be congratulated, the, the, the Cubans, for, for, you know, having been dominated by a communist regime for quite a while. Why does the left have such a tough time with this? Why do they have such a tough time condemning an actual communist dictatorship? I think the answer is fairly obvious. They have a lot of sympathy for the ideas that undergird the communist dictatorship. That would be the only rationale for why they are having such a tough time with this one. This is not a hard one. And forget about the sort of policy prescriptions here. The moral statement that communism is a great evil should not be tough. And yet, for a lot of folks, apparently it really, really is. I will say, I think my favorite media take on this over the last couple of, of days, there's a take from Reuters. Here is the, the headline, quote, Cuban protests risk exacerbating a COVID-19 spike. So we are now back to the 2020 headlines wherein if you gathered to protest lockdown, you're going to spread COVID. But if you gathered to dance in defense of George Floyd, then you're definitely not going to spread COVID. All I can say is communism is a public health crisis. Just like racism is supposedly a public health crisis, communism in Cuba is much more of a public health crisis than racism in the United States has been for quite a long time. Already in just one second, we'll get to the Biden administration's policy with regards to Cuban refugees, which is quite shocking and at odds with many other things they've said about refugees from other parts of the world. First, let's talk about a great gift you can get for yourself or for your parents, something really important. So out in your garage right now, you got a bunch of old memories and they're just moldering. Right, you've got a bunch of pictures, they're falling apart. You've got a bunch of old videotapes. You don't have a VHS player anymore. You've got film reels. When's the last time you, you took out a projector? No one owns one anymore. You need to get all that stuff digitized. Here is where Legacy Box comes in. Legacy Box is an effortless way to have your outdated media digitally preserved in a modern format. Right now, they are offering 40% off so you can ensure your memories are safe for generations. Legacy Box is a way for you to easily and affordably digitally preserve your past. The process from start to finish is really easy. You pack, you send, their team digitizes everything by hand, and then you enjoy. Get back perfectly preserved digital copies on thumb drive, DVD, or the cloud ready to watch, share, and enjoy. They've thought of everything. They even provide state-of-the-art tracking and send you updates at every step of the process. Send your precious recorded moments to a company you can trust. Legacy Box is the world's largest digitizer of home movies and photos. They've helped more than a million families preserve their past, including mine. I sent a bunch of stuff from my parents' house to them. They digitized it all. It's fantastic. My parents now have access to all of their childhood memories. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing. Right now, Legacy Box is offering 40% off so your family can celebrate those meaningful moments at a fraction of the normal price. Visit LegacyBox.com slash Shapiro to get started today. That is LegacyBox.com slash Shapiro for 40% off. LegacyBox.com slash Shapiro. Okay, so meanwhile, the Biden administration is making one thing very clear, that if Cubans attempt to float their way off the island, they will be turned back and they will be sent back to Cuba. Now, the, the Biden administration has changed its tune a little bit when it comes to people coming to the United States border, right? Only in the past few weeks have they started to say things like, don't, don't show up at the southern border. But for months, the message was, don't show up like right now. But if you do show up, we're not going to hold you in a, in a third party country like Mexico. Remember, they attempted to walk back the Trump agreement with the Mexican government that would allow people applying for asylum to be sheltered in Mexico or to stay in Mexico while they apply for asylum. 
The Biden administration wanted to walk that back and allow people to come to the United States and then essentially be released into the interior pending their asylum hearing. The Biden administration made very clear before Biden even took office that they were going to be very pro-open borders. They were not going to strictly enforce immigration law and that if you showed up at the border, that you would probably be released into the interior. But when it comes to the Cubans, different story. You know, people who seem to have a pretty good asylum claim. And these are not folks who are, who are fleeing because they're they are lacking a job. These are not folks who are fleeing because of economic circumstance. These are people who are fleeing communist oppression. So much so that they're not braving a, a walk or a train ride or even a, a coyote smuggling across the American border. They're literally getting in boats with leaks and attempting to float their way via the tides to Florida through shark infested waters. And according to the Biden administration, well, now they're getting tough on immigration. Weird how they get real tough on immigration when it comes to Cuban populations, presumably because those Cuban populations, if they enter the United States and receive asylum and eventually become citizens, are more likely to vote Republican than people who are crossing the southern border of the United States. That, that, that's the only logical reason I can think of for the distinction between how the Biden administration is treating in rhetoric Cuban refugees who are seeking asylum and Syrian refugees who sought asylum during the Trump administration or Honduran refugees who are seeking asylum largely based on economic circumstance during the during the Trump and Biden administration. Here's Jen Psaki being very harsh with with Cubans who are attempting to flee. The way to come to the United States is not uh, through uh, through uh, processes of trying to come to the border uh, that th without going through an asylum process or coming by sea uh, without going through an asylum application process. Uh, there are certainly uh, programs uh, that through which that some of them have been uh, have not been reinstated. I should say uh, that were in place put in place by the uh, Trump administration that are being reviewed, as he said yesterday. That would apply to. Uh, the individuals and people of Haiti and the people of Cuba as well. Alejandro Mayorkas is the current head of the Department of Homeland Security and who himself is a Cuban refugee immigrant. Right? His family had fled Cuba when he was a child. And he says same thing. He says, if you get in a boat and you try to float your way to Cuba, we're going to turn you back and we'll probably send you back to Cuba. Allow me to be clear. If you take to the sea, you will not come to the United States. The time is never right to attempt migration by sea. To those who risk their lives doing so, this risk is not worth taking. Again, I repeat, do not risk your life attempting to enter the United States illegally. You will not come to the United States. Okay, now, uh, I, again, I'm noticing a wide gap between the level of rhetoric being used currently with regard to Cuban refugees and the rhetoric used, say, three months ago with regard to people who are attempting to cross the Mexican border illegally. A wide gap. Now, I'm not even saying that the policy of having people held in third-party countries while they wait asylum hearings for Cuban refugees, for example, is wrong. I'm not making a case for wet foot, dry foot, which was the policy for many years in the United States, whereby if a Cuban refugee set foot on American land, then they could be granted asylum, at least while they were having their asylum claims pending. And if they were captured by water, like the Coast Guard picked them off 10, 10 feet off the shore, then they were immediately returned to their home country. Now, I'm not making the case that that should be the policy. The, the case that I am making here is not a policy one. Uh, the, the point that I'm making is that the, the Biden administration seems a lot more trouble by Cuban refugees seeking a place in the United States than they are by people from nearly anywhere else. And I find that somewhat interesting. Why? Why? Could it have to do with the politics of the people fleeing? Could it? Now, on a policy level, it seems to me that if you are fleeing communism, the United States should be a logical place for you to go. 
because you're coming from a country that has in place ideas antithetical to those of the United States founding. And we should welcome you with open arms. We need more people who hate communism here in the United States. We need more people from Hong Kong who understand the, the evils of communism to come to the United States and bring their entrepreneurship and bring their belief in individual rights here to the United States. We need more people from Cuba who understand the evils of communism in the United States. And I do think that we should take into account the values of people who are coming to the United States when we determine if they should become American citizens. I don't think everybody has an equal claim to be an American citizen. I think the Biden administration feels the same way. I think that very often they feel the same way in reverse. In just one second, we'll get to the Biden administration's policies with regard to Iran. Again, it seems like the, the appeasement orientation of this administration with regard to foreign policy is quite obvious. And it, and it is very Obama-esque. Never let reality get in the way of your ideological commitment to American appeasement and surrender. If you have to you know, make nice with the Cuban dictatorship to the point where you kind of in wishy-washy fashion condemn what they're doing, but you won't condemn communism, then you do it. And if you continue to negotiate with the Iranian regime, which is a, a fascistic theocracy that represses its own people, even while the Iranian regime is attempting to kidnap American citizens, this bespeaks an administration that is not committed to American ideals. It is an administration committed to certain appeasement orientation on the foreign stage. We'll get to more of that in just one moment. First, let us talk about a simple fact. If you're going to the post office, you're spending too much time at the post office. You don't need to go to the post office. Post office is great, but why would you want to wait in line, schlep all your packages over there when you can do everything you need to do from your home or your office? With stamps.com, you can skip trips to the post office and save on postage. You can mail and ship anytime, anywhere, right from your computer. You can send letters, ship packages, and pay less, a lot less, with discounted rates from USPS and UPS. Stamps.com saves businesses thousands of hours and tons of money every year. Here at Daily Wire, we've been using Stamps.com since 2017. No more wasting our time. Stamps.com brings the same U.S. Postal and UPS shipping services directly to your computer. They make it easy for small businesses to mail and ship without needing to take a trip to the post office in the first place. You can print official U.S. postage and shipping levels 24-7 without having to leave your desk or buy any fancy equipment. All you need is your computer and a standard printer. And once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or a drop-off. It is indeed that simple. It's a no-brainer. They've saved nearly a million small business owners like you time and money. And again, you're going to get up to 40% off USPS, up to 66% off UPS shipping rates when you use Stamps.com. Stop wasting your time at the post office. Go to Stamps.com, no risk. With my promo code Shapiro, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and digital scale, no long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in Shapiro. That is Stamps.com, promo code Shapiro. Stamps.com, never go to the post office again. Speaking of Iran, the Iranian regime the other day attempted to kidnap an Iranian-American. And again, remember, when it was the Saudis doing this to, uh, to Jamal Khashoggi, a person who had a, a visa in the United States, this was an international story. They kidnapped this guy and killed him, Khashoggi. This turned into an international relations crisis. When the Iranians attempt to kidnap an Iranian-American, the Biden administration basically just blows it off. Unsealed documents from federal court have now charged four Iranian operatives for a conspiracy to kidnap a woman named Masih Alanejad, a human rights activist who fled Iran in 2009 and is a critic of the nation's regime. This is according to Mediaite. Jen Psaki was, was asked about all of this, and uh, she condemned the Iranian kidnapping plot, but uh, in, in, in rather tepid terms. We categorically condemn Iran's dangerous and despicable reported plot to kidnap a U.S. citizen on U.S. soil. We will forcefully defend U.S. citizens and U.S. interests. That includes law enforcement actions like the one announced yesterday, as well as the actions the president has taken to defend U.S. forces in the region from Iranian-backed 
militant groups. It also includes our diplomatic effort to constrain Iran's nuclear program, one of our most important and urgent actions. Okay, that's the part where it starts to get tepid and wild. So yes, we, we condemn. It's despicable. It's terrible. It's also, we need to make a deal. We need to cut a nuclear deal with the Iranians. Very important to cut that nuclear deal. You know, just because they kidnap American citizens, we should definitely make sure to relieve some sanctions on them. According to the Washington Free Beacon, the State Department informed Congress late on Tuesday it would waive sanctions on Iran's illicit oil trade so the country can access frozen funds from South Korea and Japan. That is the same day the DOJ announced charges on an Iranian spy network that sought to kidnap an American. The waiver, signed by Secretary of State Antony Blinken, allows the, quote, transfer of Iranian funds in restricted accounts to exporters in Japan and the Republic of Korea. According to a notification sent to Congress by the State Department, the waiver allows Iranian money frozen as a result of American sanctions to be freed up without violating the law. So good news. The Iranian administration is uh, trying to kidnap Americans and also the Biden administration is trying to give them money. What a what a stalwart, moderate administration this is. This Iranian journalist then came out and said, um, guys, you know, you know, it'd be great is if you didn't appease the regime that just tried to kidnap and kill me. I'm a little bit disappointed with Biden's administration because I'm still waiting for them to take a strong action. When Jamal Khashoggi, this, you know, American Saudi journalist got brutally murdered, the whole world, you know, made statements of con- condemnations. I need the same because another regime in the Middle East, the Islamic Republic, was trying to kidnap me. So that is why I want Biden administration to be strong instead of just going after them having a deal with them, they have to care about human rights as well. Um, yes, but they don't. But they don't. Well, the good news is, you know, speaking of immigration, you mentioned the, the Cuban immigration policy that's being put out by the Biden administration right now. Nobody gets in, right? If you, if you get on a boat, try to float your way on that 1955 Chevy to the United States with your children in tow. If you do that, we'll turn you back. Meanwhile, the new Democratic budget is going to try to cram through an amnesty provision. Truly, it's, it's an amazing thing. They're going to try and amnesty some 11 million people who are living in the United States illegally. So the rule is that if you're already here and if you cross the, the southern border generally or you're overstaying your visa, we are going to make sure that we have some sort of plan for you to become a citizen. If you are trying to escape communist tyranny in Cuba, then we're going to turn you back. So the, the Democrats are attempting to leverage this into a budget bill. They couldn't pass a separate immigration bill. Our government is completely non-functional. The bargain that was created by the founding fathers with regard to how legislation was supposed to work is never pursued. It is it just does not exist anymore. So it used to be that Schoolhouse Rock described how a bill was passed, right? It was proposed in the House and then it was passed by the Senate. And then if there were disagreements between the House and the Senate bill, there would be a committee. They would get together. They'd make some changes. They'd both vote on the bill again. And then it would go to the president who would veto it. And now the way that the, the way that bills basically work is you put together a million-page bill that no one has ever read, and then you cram it through in the dead of night with a straight party-line vote. And then the media demagogued the issue by suggesting that anybody who was against the bill was against every element of the bill. And so we just end up with these crap sandwiches of bills. It's been a long time since we have passed a single-issue bill that was not a giant crap sandwich. So Democrats are trying to shove down their latest crap sandwich. This is a $3.5 trillion budget bill. This is apart from the quote-unquote bipartisan $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill. We'll get to that in a second. But this bill does include amnesty provisions. It's an attempt to cram through amnesty provisions. According to Representative Jayapal, who is the from Washington, Pramila Jayapal, she said on Wednesday that the $3.5 trillion budget proposal by Democrats will include a number of top liberal priorities, including 
pathways to citizenship for millions of illegal immigrants. We're not going to try to negotiate exactly how that works. And we're not going to shut the border before we do that. We're just going to grant amnesty. Now, listen, everybody in the United States has a, the, here's the truth. Most Americans are pretty much on the same page when it comes to illegal immigration. Close the border, figure out what to do with the people here. Close the border is the first step of that. But you haven't closed the border. The border is wide open. We have more people being held in containment facilities on the border than any time during the Trump administration, like right now. The border has been deemed wide open by the Biden administration. Lately, they are trying to pretend that they are shutting the border. They are not. And then they're just going to legalize people who are already here illegally, thus spurring more illegal immigration, which, of course, is the entire point. And they're going to try and cram through all of these illegal immigration provisions in a budget bill, which, again, is not how this thing is supposed to be done. Last I checked, immigration bills are supposed to be about immigration and budget bills are supposed to be about the budget. But because of budget reconciliation processes, you can pass a, a reconciliation bill through 50 votes plus one in the Senate or 50 votes plus the vice president in the Senate. And then you don't have to worry about the filibuster. If this were just an immigration bill, it would undoubtedly be filibustered. But because they're stuffing it into a budget bill, illegally, I should add, they're going to try and get this through with a simple party line majority vote. So apparently the bill would include provisions to allow recipients of Obama-era Deferred Action for Childhood Arrival programs, full citizenship, temporary protected status recipients would also be given a green card, basically. It would include a pathway to citizenship for DREAMers, TPS essential workers, and farm workers as well. According to Fox News, while the details are unclear, past efforts at such pathways for farm workers have been eligible for if they, if they have worked 400 days or more in a five-year period and passed background checks and included seasonal or temporary work. Democrats also want amnesty for quote-unquote essential workers. They define this term broadly, including anyone who works in a sector like healthcare, emergency response, sanitation, restaurant ownership, food preparation, vending, catering, food packaging, meat processing, hotel or retail work, agricultural work, landscaping, construction, any services, house cleaning, and janitorial services. So basically, if you're in the United States working illegally, we should give you a, a visa. We should give you a green card and a path toward citizenship. And they're going to try and cram this through in a budget bill. Okay, in the dead of night, via reconciliation. It's illegal, by the way. Again, I'll explain that in a second. They, they're not allowed to do this. They're going to try it anyway. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you've probably heard me talk about my Helix Sleep Mattress. Well, now Helix has launched a new company. It's called Allform. They're making premium customizable sofas and chairs shipped directly to your door. So what makes an Allform sofa really awesome? Well, for starters, it's the easiest way you can customize a sofa using premium materials and at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. You can pick your fabric. It is spill stain scratch resistant. The sofa color, the color of the legs, sofa size and shape, make sure it is perfect for you and your home. They've got armchairs and love seats all the way up to an eight-seat sectional, so there's something for everyone. And you can always start small and buy more seats later on if you want your all-form sofa to grow and change with you when you move. All-form sofas are also delivered directly to your door. In the past, if you wanted to order a sofa, you need to hire somebody to come and assemble it for you. Not so with all-form, they make it quick and easy. I do indeed have an all-form sofa. Last night, my wife was using the bedroom to pack up for a trip that we were going on. And um, that meant I could not sleep on my bed for a little while. So I was napping on our all-form sofa. Let me tell you, that thing is just unbelievably comfortable. We have the three-seat sofa with the chaise in the sand color with espresso legs. If getting a sofa without trying it in store sounds a little risky, you don't need to worry. You get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. That's more than three months. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. They also have a forever warranty, like literally for all time. To find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash Ben. And Allform is offering 20% off all orders for our listeners. At allform.com slash Ben. So that is a solid deal on an excellent couch. Go check them out. Allform.com slash Ben. Alrighty, so Democrats, again, they're trying to push forward this amnesty package. 
they, they don't really have the legal ability to do some of that. That probably won't stop them. Christopher Jacobs is a good piece over at The Federalist about this. He points out that reconciliation typically requires certain things to be fulfilled in order to be included in a reconciliation bill. Right? You can't just slap together any old thing and then say budget reconciliation applies. It's a very specific procedure for things that are supposed to be budgetarily neutral. And well, as, as Jacobs points out, Democrats want to use reconciliation to ram through priorities through the Senate on a party line vote. But that process includes procedural strictures, including a six-part test called the Bird Rule designed to preserve the integrity of the legislative filibuster. Because remember, basically what budget reconciliation is, it's a way to pass budgets, even though there's an attempt to filibuster. That rule, named for former Senate Majority Leader Robert Byrd, prohibits the inclusion of extraneous material absent the agreement of 60 senators to waive Senate rules and keep the material in the bill. One of the tests under the Byrd Rule applies to a provision that, quote, produces changes in outlays or revenues, which are merely incidental to the non-budgetary components of the provision. This test, for example, tripped up the minimum wage increase Democrats wanted to add to their COVID relief bill earlier this year. Says Jacobs, immigration replicates the minimum wage debate. In February, the CBO concluded raising the minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour would have sizable budgetary effects. CBO estimated such an increase would generate a total of $19.7 billion in net tax revenue over 10 years. It would also increase the deficit by $54 billion over the same period of time. CBO concluded a minimum wage increase would raise wages by a net of $333 billion over 10 years, which was a lot higher than the $19.7 billion in net revenue the federal government would receive. So it really wasn't a budgetary proposal. It had to do with just general policy. He says they would have a Jacob says changes to immigration laws are sort of similar. They have a budgetary impact. But regardless of whether you believe these would increase or decrease the federal deficit, they have far larger changes on the economy and the country as a whole. So they'd probably fall afoul of the bird rule test. So it's not even clear that you can cram immigration into the budget, but that's not going to try to, Democrats are going to try it anyway. Now, it's pretty unpopular is the reality. According to the Washington Examiner, new polling data suggests that most Americans are not particularly happy with the way that Joe Biden has been handling the border. Democrats, however, need to cram this through. Remember, for Democrat, it is all about world breaking change and doing it fast and doing it quickly and making sure that you can get more Democratic voters in the polls as fast as humanly possible. Again, I, I think that it is very difficult to, to miss the level of discrepancy between how Democrats are treating Republican refugees uh, or presumed possible Republican refugees from Cuba and how they're treating the illegal immigrants who are currently here who they presume will vote Democrat. I, I don't think the Democrats are, are completely unaware of the political consequences of what they're doing right here. Okay, but it's not just a matter of amnesty. They're also pushing forward, as we say, a $3.5 trillion budget reconciliation bill. Now, you may have noticed we have a serious inflation problem in the country right now. We are seeing prices spiking dramatically year over year. Perhaps that peters out. Perhaps it doesn't. You know, it's a bad idea. Blowing trillions of new spending into the economy. I mean, Joe Biden has proposed something like $12 trillion of new spending already this year. We spent $7 trillion last year. We've already spent $2 trillion on one of Joe Biden's plans. He wants to also pass this American Jobs and Family Plan, which is another $2 trillion. He wants to pass a $1.2 trillion quote-unquote infrastructure plan. And then he also wants to pass the $3.5 trillion budget. That's a lot of money to blow into the American economy as inflation rises. Okay, so Democrats want a $3.5 trillion budget. President Biden says we're going to get a lot done. That's what he says. Not only that, by the way, he says we have to have two tracks. Here's where the Republicans need to stop being dum-dums. So I pointed out earlier that you had these Republicans, Mitt Romney, were trying to cut a bipartisan deal with Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema 
with regard to infrastructure, right? They'd cut down the bill from like $2 trillion to $1.2 trillion. Oh, bipartisanship, yay. But Joe Biden had said pretty clearly, we are going to simply take all the spending we can't do there and we're going to ram it through reconciliation. So why are you giving him the veneer of bipartisanship? Why? If the idea here is that you are dealing with the Democrats to reduce the spending, then if Democrats say, oh yeah, simultaneously, we on a party line vote are also going to cram through the spending with this hand while we do the bipartisan thing with this hand, well then why would you give them the bipartisan thing? It makes no sense at all. And Joe Biden is not hiding the ball here. He's made very clear that he wants a quote unquote two-track process whereby he gets Republican help to pass a $1.2 trillion boondoggle. Most of it is a boondoggle. And at the same time, he wants to ram through with 50 votes, including Cinema and, and Mansion, this $3.5 trillion budget proposal. That's $4.7 trillion in new spending after spending $2 trillion already this year. And that ain't going to be the end of it. Here's Joe Biden openly saying that he is lying to Republicans and that the entire goal here is to basically inflate the reconciliation balloon if the bipartisan balloon gets a little bit deflated in terms of the amounts of spending. We have an agreement. We have an agreement. There may be slight changes. I'm not sure. What may happen, exactly how, but it's going to be paid for, and that's what we're going to do. So thank you all very much. Mr. President, any concern that having two tracks here will disrupt the bipartisan agreement? No, I think it's the only way to get it done is having two tracks. He's openly saying what he is doing. So if you are Senator Romney, or if you are Senator Portman, or if you're any of the other senators on the Republican side of the aisle who are providing cover to these shenanigans, don't be an idiot. What are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you giving him the patina of bipartisanship when he is openly stating that he's going to stab you directly between the shoulder blades? Unless you have tremendous levels of trust from Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema that they kill the $3.5 trillion budget plan because they prefer the bipartisan plan, then you need to withdraw. Okay, and we need like open assurances from Manchin and Cinema right now that they're not going to vote for this $3.5 trillion bill that is an attempt also to cram through amnesty at the same exact time. Now, it's unclear where Manchin and Cinema are going to come down on this. Apparently, Manchin supports the immigration provisions of the budget reconciliation bill, which is unbelievable. Again, if that happens, then then obviously there are no provisions for recall in uh, of senators, obviously, in places like West Virginia. But uh, next time he's up for election, uh, he's going to be in serious trouble in West Virginia if he continues to push forward amnesty in any sort of budget reconciliation plan. But Manchin has not made clear exactly where he stands on all of this. He says, I know my Democratic colleagues on the budget committee have worked hard. I look forward to reviewing their agreement. I'm also very interested in how this proposal is paid for and how it enables us to remain globally competitive. I will reserve any final judgment until I've had the opportunity to thoroughly evaluate the proposal. So it sounds like he is at least a little bit skeptical of the $3.5 trillion budget plan. Again, they're doing all of this in an inflationary spiral. Fed Fed Chair Jerome Powell admitted yesterday that the inflation has been much higher than expected in recent months. The incoming inflation data have been higher than expected and hoped for. But they're actually still consistent with with what we've been talking about. The the, the very high inflation readings are coming from a, a small group of goods and services that are directly tied to the reopening of the economy. It's it's new new cars, used cars, rental cars, hotel rooms, air you know airplane tickets, things that we understand. Yeah. By the way, this just demonstrates the Federal Reserve has no intention of slowing the the vast inflation that they are inflicting on the economy right now. And by the way, even if they slow the inflation, the amount of government spending and regulation and taxation that's about to be put on the economy is going to sink the, the record American growth rates we are currently seeing down to 1% within two years. That, that, that is basically according to the Biden administration's own estimates at this point. All right, in just one second, we'll get to the Biden administration pushing forward the idea once more that we are in some sort of civil war. We'll get to that in just a second first. 
As you may have noticed, the art market is absolutely booming right now. Deloitte reports the overall art market is expected to grow by over $900 billion by 2026. But very few people know about that asset class. I mean, millionaires, hedge funds, they're pouring money into art because it's actually a pretty good holder of value. I recently found a little known but incredibly smart way for everyday investors to diversify in fine art without breaking the bank. Masterworks.io, the premium membership for investing in contemporary art. From 95 through 2020, contemporary art prices outpaced S&P 500 returns by 174%. That is a very large difference, even in a bull market. Thanks to Masterworks.io, you can invest in multi-million dollar works by artists like Picasso, Warhol, and even Banksy. With the government handing out trillions of bucks, inflation is rising. It's up 5.4% in June. It's the most since 2008. A good way of hedging against inflation? You seek out tangible assets, whether you're talking about real estate or gold or art. To protect your portfolio. There's a reason 86% of wealth managers recommend investing in art and collectibles as well. Listeners of this show can skip the waitlist at masterworks.io slash Ben. See disclosures at masterworks.io slash disclaimer. You can't afford a Picasso. You can't afford a part of a Picasso, however. Visit masterworks.io slash Ben today. All right, we'll get to more of this in just one second. First, as totalitarian lockdowns rage on across the world and places like California creep toward reinstating mask mandates, it is not difficult to see that we are living through a rather authoritarian time. And this is true of all of our major institutions, whether we're talking about Amazon banning books or whether we are talking about your local corporation deciding what you must think and what black square you must post today. We are all under the gun. It feels like that. And the institutions have been weaponized against us. This is why I wrote my new book, The Authoritarian Moment, to explain how all of our institutions have been renormalized and weaponized and what we can do to fight back. Because we can. We can take back these institutions. But you have to know how. That's what The Authoritarian Moment is about. The Authoritarian Moment is all about how our institutions, not even the government, most of the institutions of power, even outside the government, have been weaponized in, on behalf of a militant leftist ideology. But here's the thing. It is a small group of people who are doing this, and we can push back and we can win. The Authoritarian Moment is now available for pre-order at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or any other major bookseller. So go get your copy right now. Also, you may have noticed that Candace Owens may be limited to a certain number of characters on Twitter, but you don't have to worry. She has an entire show here at The Daily Wire called Candace. It is full of her uncensored opinions without any limits. Her latest episode, Cuba, Communism, and the Democratic Death Cult, is available right now on demand for Daily Wire members. If you haven't yet subscribed, get 25% off a new membership with code CANDIS. You're listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So, the Democratic Party, the Biden administration, they're not stopping with budget reconciliation. They're also, of course, pushing forward this terrible For the People Act, which completely rewrites the bargain between the states and the federal government with regard to voting procedure, the Democrats continue to foster the lie. And it is an absolute dangerous lie. And it is a lie that is going to lead to actual conflict and maybe violence. Okay, this lie is that half of Americans are seeking to return to Jim Crow. Half of Americans are brutal, vicious racists who are seeking to return to a, a horrible time of racial oppression. And so in support of this lie, Texas Democratic legislators absconded. They left the state of Texas and they fled to their, their favorite people in Washington, D.C. They, they fled over to the warm, cuddly blanket of Washington, D.C., where they were welcomed with open arms by the White House. And now remember, this is not anti-democratic. It's not anti-democratic for a party in, in the minority to flee in order to deny quorum. It's anti-democratic for a party to vote in the majority in Texas for voter ID. That's anti-democratic, according to the Democrats. You may have noticed the word democratic doesn't actually mean a majority vote in this particular scenario. It just means Democrats don't get what, what they want. In any case, Jen Psaki was out there defending these Texas Democratic legislators yesterday because, after all, no biggie. When, when you flee a state in order to avoid losing, that, that is not anti-democratic. That is brave. 
The vice president uh, met with these legislators yesterday, uh, and the vice president and the president, I should say, certainly applauds uh, their actions and their outspoken uh, opposition to states uh, to efforts to put in place restrictive measures in their state. And maybe it is funny to think about it that way, but the president is talking about this as the most serious assault on our democracy. I don't. Democracy I don't think anything about. I don't think anything about this is funny. I don't think anything about this is funny. Well, I mean, it's it's a little funny. They showed up in Washington, D.C. They eat Caesar salads. They talk about how brave they are and they sing We Shall Overcome while they are being massaged by Kamala Harris. It's a little funny. And the, the notion that these are brave freedom fighters is entirely absurd on its face. Nonetheless, that is how the, the most awkward and fake politician of the modern era, Kamala Harris, put it yesterday. Uh, she, she defended the Texas legislators and compared them to Frederick Douglass because they're just like a freed slave who spends his life going around trying to teach others about the evils of slavery. They're just like that except for how they're not like that in any possible way. Here is Kamala Harris being awful. They took bold, courageous action um, in line with the legacy of everyone from Frederick Douglass, who's over my right shoulder when he fought for the right of black men to vote in America, to the legacy that includes all those women who marched down Pennsylvania Avenue for women's right to vote, to all of those folks who shed their blood on the Edmund Pettus Bridge to make sure that we would, in 1965, pass the Voting Rights Act. Um, no, that, that, that is no, that is not remotely correct. But one of the Democratic attempts here is to rewrite America's history. So number one, it is way worse than it is, right? America's history has enough dark spots. You don't have to make America's entire history, the history of all racism in the universe, and, and root all of America's institutions in it. That, that's one thing Democrats are trying to do. And then they're trying to make the secondary move, which is to say that today's Republicans are defenders of that history and want to return to that history. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, I've been talking about my Helix Sleep mattress for four years. I got to admit, last night was a very rough night. We had to take the dog to the hospital. Dog is okay, but didn't get a lot of sleep. The sleep I did get is thanks to my Helix Sleep mattress made just for me. If you haven't already checked out the Helix Elite Collection, you need to. Helix harnesses years of mattress expertise to offer a truly elevated sleep experience. The Helix Elite Collection includes six different mattress models, each tailored for specific sleep positions and firmness preferences. If you're nervous about buying a mattress online, you don't have to be. Helix has a sleep quiz that matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress, because why would you buy a mattress made for somebody else? I took that Helix quiz. I was matched with a firm but breathable mattress. I love it. My wife loves it. We're big Helix fans here at the Shapiro House. Plus, Helix has a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but I'm not sure that has ever happened. Helix is now offering 25% off all mattress orders plus two free pillows for my listeners. Head on over to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Use code helixpartner25. It's their best offer yet. It's not going to last long. That's helixsleep.com slash Ben. Use code helixpartner25 with Helix. Better sleep starts right now. There's a reason why she's comparing this to the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Because the suggestion, of course, I mean, Joe Biden is saying it openly, is that today's Republicans are exactly the same as people who are using fire hoses on Martin Luther King. Right? That, that is exactly what she is suggesting. And some people like Charles Blow say the same thing fairly openly. Charles Blow of the New York Times. Again, one of the, uh, the lesser lights over at the New York Times op-ed page. He has a piece today titled, Welcome to Jim Crow 2.0. Now, again, you may be asking yourself, wait a second, this doesn't look anything like Jim Crow. Like I've noticed that this doesn't look literally anything like Jim Crow. That, that black people are voting in record numbers. Black people are being elected in record numbers. We've had a black president twice. Many of the most powerful, powerful people in our society are black. We have an entire country that mobilized to post black squares on their Facebook page based on the lie that America's police are targeting black people, which is not statistically true. Okay, and, and yet this is like Jim Crow 2.0. According to Charles Blow, it is. According to Charles Blow, it's exactly like 1890. 
Nothing has changed. And this is the game that, that people on the left are constantly playing. The evils of the past are, are here. They are just more subtle in American society today. They've just gone underground. But you can spot the signs. And the signs are people wearing red hats. And the signs are people voting Republican. And the signs are people supporting voter ID. And the signs are people supporting voter integrity. And so there is only one choice. Trillions of dollars in spending, amnesty and budget reconciliation bills, a federalization of all voting procedures, and give us what we want because our enemies are Hitler. And that, that is, it's an immature push by the Democrats, but it may be all they have left considering that their agenda is wildly unpopular. Alrighty, we will be back here later today with an additional hour of the Ben Shapiro Show coming up soon as the Matt Walsh Show it airs at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to check it out over at dailywire.com. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Wydowski. Associate producer, Bradford Carrington. Host producer, Justin Barber. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright, Daily Wire 2021. A 50-year-old gay rights organization voluntarily dissolves and disbands after BLM criticizes it. Speaking of BLM, they have finally spoken out about the situation in Cuba in order to, of course, defend the Cuban government. Olivia Rodrigo visits the White House to promote vaccines, raising the question, who is Olivia Rodrigo? And a state representative in Minnesota says that he was racially profiled during a traffic stop. But the body cam footage shows something else entirely. All of that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. <laughs> 